welcome to Two Pills Podcast. Today we are excited to have Dr. Diana Rangavis. She is a pharmacist, philanthropist, and ethics professor turned writer. She's also an accomplished educator, an award-winning teacher, and a business professional who uses her powers for good. She also happens to be a foster mom for paphavenrescue.org and lives in California with her dogs and pasture pets in their forever home. So welcome, Diana. We are so excited to have you. Just to get started, can you just tell us a little about yourself and your teaching style? Oh, absolutely. Well, first, thank you very much, Lauren, for having me here. I appreciate it very much. And um, my teaching style has to do with learning strategies uh, that are associated with reading apprenticeship. In reading apprenticeship, we use interactive keywords, think aloud, think, pair, and share, questions. We map things. It is embedded within the reading apprenticeship critical thinking skills because it's very important that once a student leaves school that they have those tools under their belt so when they go out into the real world, they can use those and discern truth from falsehood themselves. Wonderful. And a little bit about my, about myself. Um, bottom line is I took that notorious test in high school where it gives you the direction of uh, where your career path should go. And the number one was health sciences. So my mother suggested I talk to my neighborhood pharmacist. Oh, wow. I went and talked to her. And she pointed me in that direction as well, and I never looked back. I wanted to go to college with a goal, and that's how I became a pharmacist. Fantastic. Um, so that kind of answers the question of when you, well, uh, as far as health sciences, but when did you know that you wanted to teach? Oh, shortly after I got out into the real world and was a pharmacist, there was a real lacking of education and teaching just for the patients in a language that speaks to them, whether with the kids and amoxicillin, it would be puppets or diagrams. So I started actually teaching in my pharmacy where I was working, and it was not only our patients, but it was the pharmacy technicians and anybody who was interested. And then once my supervisor found out what I was doing, he moved me into other avenues within the corporation that just honed more of my teaching skills. And people love information and that they can use, and that's what inspires me to keep improving my ability. That's great. And then I know you've had a lot of really unique, interesting experiences on kind of the ethical side and, and things like that. Can you speak to a little bit of how you got into that area and writing and all the unique, exciting things that you do? I'm easily bored. <laughs> so uh, when, I was a, when I was a professor, uh, that, that's actually why I went into health sciences, because it's so vast. And with whatever career you pick, for those of you listening out there, you can change your environment. You can use your degree for multiple reasons. You're not just boxed into whatever whatever um, you think you need to be boxed into. So um, I, after teaching for a while, I found out that I could be teaching the same five courses forever. <laughs> and after a while, you, you can't you can't integrate new stuff. So I ended up writing two textbooks. They're called Embrace Your Excellence and Escape in Your Into Excellence, and they're on Cognella, academic uh, publishing site. Okay. And the first one, Escape into Excellence, talks about ethics, 
and how to develop critical thinking skills and how to make honest decisions. And it uses real life case studies. It takes you from the beginning of what is ethics, what are values, how do we learn our values, all the way full circle to passing and death. And how do we stand in silence and honor the people in our lives that we care about who, who are ready to pass. And then the other one is Embrace Your Excellence. It's a psychopharmacology book. Oh, cool. And it uh, introduces people, yeah, it introduces people to mental health, mental health issues, the pharmacology involved, like the opiates and the hallucinogenics. And then it adds the holistic piece to it with real life student cases and students talking and writing about their experiences. So it helped create a full package um, that the students liked. And it was interesting because it was written, a lot of it was written by students for students. I was just the messenger. Oh, that's great. That's really neat. And so in working with those students, um, what's something that students have taught you as an educator? (laughs) Um, Students have taught me to be humble Mm -hmm. and to understand that they see when someone's phony, when they see a system is phony, and to just, you know, it's interesting. They're learning how to be themselves because they're discovering and they remind us that we should not get caught up in academic snobbery, that it's all about passing information to the next generation and learning as we go, because it's no longer really about us. It's about the people coming after us. That's great. And I guess one question is, so with your experience as a professor and in teaching, if you had a magic wand, what would you change about health sciences education? Oh my goodness, that is such a great question. I would, my clinical, they've got the clinical down, they've got the knowledge base down in in schools. I really think they need to have um, a system throughout the educational pathway to teach people how to survive in the workplace, how to survive outside um, in a a cultural workplace and give us uh, a toolbox of coping skills so that we can spot when behaviors are illegal mm-hmm. or on the edge and giving us a pathway to knowing what to do sure. and, and adjusting and adapting because things sometimes can get so fluid. And I think core competencies would be not only an adaptation, but problem solving, self-reflection and self-correction. Don't be afraid to say, oops, okay. Well, now moving forward, how can we move forward and correct this? I think that's great because it, and it's kind of like you're saying some of those less tangible or less concrete skills, they're a little bit more abstract. And I feel like uh-huh. we really, we, I don't know that we have a great way of teaching students that right now, um, you know, and especially that self correction and um, and self-reflection once they get out. Because I think a lot of our students are such high achievers and, you know, they feel, especially when they go into rotations, they feel like they need to know every answer and they need to, they don't have that ability to say, oh, I was wrong or, oh, I made a mistake. Um, and so I completely agree. I feel like we maybe need to enhance that part of our education somehow. Exactly, and that's why um, in collaboration I wrote Escape into Excellence, and just so that you and your uh, listeners know, 
all my royalties, all the author's royalties go back to charities. Oh. So education is really important. Uh, embrace your excellence and escape into excellence. 100% of the author's royalties go to Santa Rosa Junior College Foundation to support education. Oh, that's and great. And then my, my children's values book, The Adventures of Rosie Cozy Papillon, <laughs> go to Pap Haven Rescue. So it, this is really a heart project. It's the labor of love to give back, it's, it, to impact, because you're absolutely right. There isn't a mechanism that you and I learned. We had to learn it on the fly once we got out, mm-hmm. or we read books, or listened to audios. And here is a textbook that schools can use to, to further that endeavor if they choose to. And so it sounds like you have at least three books that you've written, which is very impressive. Do you have advice for a faculty member who may be interested in going into that journey of writing a book? Yes. Start with one sentence. (laughs) Compile your notes, compile your notes, and write that first sentence. And then if that's all you can give that day, the next day, think about it again, write another sentence. And at least if you write one sentence a day, in a short period of time, you'll have a paragraph. And then the paragraph turns into multiple paragraphs and a chapter. Don't worry about it making sense at the moment. Okay. Don't worry about context or the order. All that can change later once it's put together. Because once you write the ideas down, then it's a matter of assembly. And you know, I, I refer, and other authors to refer to ourselves as well. We're assemblers. Mm-hmm. We take information, create it in a in a manner that is bright and new and compelling. Because every half generation needs new teaching tools that will work for them. Because they're in a they're in a slice of time that is a different context. That's great. So just write. Yeah. Just write. It doesn't have to be perfect. It sounds like you can just get started. Absolutely. Get that off your table. <laughs> That's great. Um, and so with all the things that you're doing now, what's your favorite part of your job? <laughs> my rescue animals. Oh, and yes. My, um, <laughs> pasture pets. <laughs> um, I have rescue animals and pasture pets that just sort of find their way to me. And they are my de-stressors. They um, ground me. I play with them, but I want them to have the opportunity to be animals. One of them was raised like a dog, and I, over time, he is now a, a true sheep. So <laughs> um, I, I do that, and it involves not you know love and work, but feeding them and getting hay and cleaning up manure, and that's my exercise. That's where I get out into the fresh air and exercise and, and take care of them and clean out barns. And I don't belong to the gym. <laughs> That's great. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I um I don't know how many people know this, but I am also a vol- I'm a volunteer for a dog and cat rescue and it just it brings you so much joy, um, no matter what you're doing yes. with them. Absolutely. I completely agree. Yes, it's, it's it's great we're on the same wavelength with that. <laughs> and and it's it's not it doesn't need to be you know, I'm just encouraging people to just get out there and find something that's a passion for you, mm-hmm. whether it's going to a school and sitting in and reading books to kids or working at the library, volunteering at the library. It's just finding
finding something other than your primary source of income and upward mobility. I completely agree. And and I, not to bring it too much into pharmacy standards, but I do think that we, I think education is trying to go in that direction with things like having co-curriculars required. And I know a lot of schools are kind of struggling with what does that mean? How do we track that? How do we assess that? But I love that students are submitting projects to me of when they went and volunteered at the free clinic downtown or when they, you know, mm-hmm. went to just something outside of school. Because I feel like when I went to school, there were a lot of students who just went to school and went home or went to school and work and went home. And so I really like that these things outside of work that support your overall wellness and who you are are becoming more and more of an important part of your pharmacy curriculum. Yes. Yeah. That's wonderful. It's long overdue. I agree. So I really liked your what you said about that your teaching tools need to change every half generation. So what's something that you've implemented the classroom in the classroom that's gone really well? And what's something that maybe hasn't gone so well in the classroom or in experiential education? Death by by PowerPoint. When I first started teaching, if, if you interviewed and you didn't know how to do PowerPoint, that interview committee just snubbed you. (laughs) And so PowerPoint was the go-to thing. And you know what? After a while, I don't care how many animations and cute little things you do and which platform you use, it's death by PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. And so I was looking at with the audience and getting stares, and they weren't engaged in the material. They couldn't touch it, feel it, smell it, see it. And um, I flipped the classroom before it was uh, popular to flip it Mm -hmm. and started using tools that I had found in my classroom experience that that I had teachers and mentors that use different things. So using the reading apprenticeship strategies Mm -hmm. and capturing the student's attention with surprise toys and things that I found at thrift stores and flea markets that brought the material home. So that's, I guess... Both answers in one ball of wax. I agree. Can you give an example of maybe a topic where you used reading apprenticeship that went well? Oh, sure. So a topic was um, IV therapy, and I brought in um, actual empty IV bottles and Mm -hmm. bags and tubing, no needles, and (laughs) I gave them um, a scenario. I had stuffed animal dolls. Dinosaur and Dora the Explorer and a poodle. I made and I divided them up into five teams, and each doll had a case scenario around their neck on a on a flashcard with questions. There was it incorporated everything. It incorporated education. It incorporated pharmacology and it incorporated calculations, basic math to to calculate the dose, and then each of the teams select a person who um, was going to be their, their team leader or speaker, that person read the case, and then each team member took one of the questions, whether it was the pharmacology or the math, and explained it to the other students. So each of the team members had an opportunity for a teaching moment in time, and it gives them confidence, it gives them the opportunity to learn how to speak in front of a peer environment that's safe. No one was judging them. No one was giving them five out of five points. 
and it and it was a very relaxed environment. And so they not they got to do every sensory experience in that one exercise. And it's applicable to any topic, any topic. Just get your creative juices flowing and your neurotransmitters <laughs> in the brain going, and ideas will just float into your head. I agree, and I I really like that it's both active learning, and I think. You make a good point that that safe to fail environment is so important. I know, you know, I've done uh, some research on games and kind of competitive forms of active learning. And I think if students have the opportunity to be in an environment where, let's say they're doing a patient case or a simulation or something where it could be on a real patient, a very high stakes situation, by making it the culture that it's safe to fail and you can throw out answers that may not be right. um, I think they learn a lot more and get a lot more out of it. Yes, they do. We, and we all do, even as a faculty member. I agree. So if you could go back, or if someone were to ask you who was starting out in academia, what insight about being a faculty member do you have now that you wish you had when you started? <laughs> Academic politics. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You're, it, it, there's, a, there's a truism that says... Um, you, you have a slice of time, and you're only supposed to know what you're supposed to know at the time you're supposed to know it. And if I had known then what I know now, I probably would have been frightened mm-hmm. and scared and sure. not done it. Yeah. Okay? But in that time, you develop as a person, you develop core values, you develop foundations, you develop your safety, you develop all of Maslow's pyramid, mm-hmm. and... Now you're equipped to deal with it. Now you have the skill set. Now not only you have the skill set, but you also have the wherewithal to see the bigger picture. And don't ever be afraid to step into the unknown. Fear is the worst reason in the world to do something and to not do something. So when I started teaching and got the one class and I told my colleagues and my customers, Everybody was supportive and said, oh, you'll do fine, don't be frightened. And it was the elder patients who already have been through this pathway and this journey who were very encouraging to a young pharmacist. So speaking now to my younger self, just do it. Mm -hmm. Because there's no such thing as failure, really. Fear is false evidence appearing real. And if you've learned something from it, you take that experience away and you build on the next one and you leverage it. So that's my answer. <laughs> I love it. You have so many quotables. That's so great. I, I completely agree. And I think I think you make a great point. I think, you know, going into academia – if you knew some of the, I mean, but I guess you could say that about any job, right? If you knew some of the negatives, then you may be a little bit afraid to take it on. But I think, just like you said, if you just take it on, jump in with both feet, and then I think it's so important to seek out mentors and guidance along the way. Um, and I guess going along with that, so do you have any resources or books or podcasts that you recommend for someone who's maybe starting out or going along their way in this journey of teaching? Yes, I, I actually do. I, I, there were several along the way that impacted me and, and provided guidance when I needed it. Uh, the first one is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Okay. The Four Agreements were written a while back, but 
I had him, I wrote him down on a flashcard and I kept it in my wallet. Now you're a digital age, probably just do it on Evernote, <laughs> leave it on your <laughs> right. cell phone. And whenever, you know, at lunchtime or whenever I just needed something, some inspiration or encouragement, I reread the four agreements and I go, okay, and you just breathe. <laughs> The, the next one was The Power of Myth by Joseph Campbell. Okay. Joseph Campbell was quite um, influential in my flight of time. But The Power of Myth talks about the hero's journey and how it just repeats and repeats in different patterns. And it just opens up your eyes and opens your mind to a different awareness that everyone is traveling through this um, cosmos with the same sort of trials and tribulations. So it just opens your mind a bit. Mm -hmm. The other one that impacted me when I was a child and I haven't forgotten it is The Wizard of Oz oh, sure. and Alice in Wonderland. Mm -hmm. So either read it or watch the video and, and it also gives you all the different characters that they come across. And even in your own life, you know all the different characters you've interacted with and the different behavior patterns and then after a while, people start to repeat, and behavior patterns repeat, and they're not the same person, the actual person. You just say, oh, I've seen that behavior before, and this is what's going to happen if they continue. Mm -hmm. And you just stand in silence, and, and you watch it, and it's a great coping tool when things kind of appear that they're not going well. And then the most recent one I've read, actually this last month, which kind of tied everything together, and I would probably start, someone who has not had a lot of um, experience with physics and science and chemistry, it would probably go to Stephen Wolfham's website first okay. and read synopses and short versions and, and cliff note versions of A New Kind of Science. Okay. A New Kind of Science by Stephen Wolfram. It was written 18 years ago, and it impacted then its Still impacts as you're going along, but um, I got the, it's 1,200 words, it's a huge book, you can get probably at your local library, because that's where I got it, mm -hmm. um, don't have to spend, nowadays you don't have to spend a lot of money for knowledge, you just walk to your, or drive to your um, local library, mm -hmm. you probably could even check out digital versions on your iPad, but that one uh, tied a lot of things together, Introducing all the sciences. It, it, was an in, it is an integrative work that talks about what we're talking about and puts molecules and neurotransmitters and physics into it. And so pull what you, pull what you understand and what resonates with you. Sure. And if it doesn't resonate, you just go, okay, we don't need to sweat the stuff that doesn't make sense to us or is not in our language. The stuff that vibrates with you, that's the important part to pay attention to. I agree. And we'll list um, uh, links or at least, you know, information about all of those on the show notes on the blog. So everybody will be able to oh, access those. Yeah, thank you for those. And so you have offered a lot of great inspirational quotes and ideas, and I can tell you're really um, passionate about it. And so who inspires you and gives you your ideas? All the people in the world that have come before me, and after me who persist. Hmm. Those are the stories of persistence that are important. And we're all storytellers. Each of us has a story. And that 
when things kind of look icky, that's our common humanity. Humanity, And I think it's up to us to become ready to learn, listen, and discern truth from falsehood and just persist. You put one foot in front of the other. And I watched that video with Paul McCartney and um, I think it's James Colbert. Yes, I've seen that. The carpool karaoke. I just watched that the other day. It's so good. Yeah. And there are two quotes in there. Paul McCartney says words to the effect that looking back from his point of view now, it was quite a journey. And they persisted. And when you think someone or essence is with you, they are. They had a one scene where um, Colbert was saying how, oh, I'm just, he got very emotional in thinking about his grandfather. And um, he says, I wish my grandfather were here. And Paul McCartney very, very seriously says, he is. And everybody, they are. They yeah. are here. When you're thinking about them, the people that you you care about, they're with you. And I think that's the biggest take-home lesson is persistence and you're not alone. That's great. And so my last question for you is, what is your overall prescription for life, success, and happiness? Oh, when you feel pushed, pulled, or guided, follow that yellow brick road. Hmm. That's great. And, and, and just spread, spread your message and creativity. We each are very creative. And we just sometimes forget and don't know. That is so great. Well, thank you so much. 